Hi, everybody. Welcome to Living Well with Abigail Steinharder, Torah wisdom to open your heart and deepen your understanding of life. In today's episode, in honor of Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph, which is coming up tomorrow night, we're going to talk about some lessons from the moon and the sun. We'll talk about the sun, the moon, and leap years, topics that may seem like they belong in the planetarium, pretty astrological and astronomical, not too interesting and moving, maybe. But like everything in the world, we can contemplate these things and draw into ourselves a feeling of expansion and meaningful inspiration that can really lead us on the next steps to our best life. Tomorrow night, we're going to celebrate Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph. Adar Aleph is the month that gets added in a leap year to our calendar for the purpose of realigning the lunar to the solar calendars, to the solar calendar, to realign the two calendars. And Adar happens to be the month about which it is we are taught that we should increase and intensify our joy, our bliss, our happiness. Mishanichnas Adar. When Adar enters, Marbin Basimcha, we increase happiness. There is a beautiful teaching from the Lubavitcher Rebbe that when we have two Adars, we get 60 days of Adar. He points that out. And he says, that means 60 days about which we're instructed to intensify our simcha. We know in halacha that 60 times a kosher substance cancels or nullifies whatever non-kosher substance is present. So if we tune into Adar, we can use the 60 days of that, that are uh, available in a leap year. We can tap into this channel of extra happiness. And we can use the 60 days of Adar to cause all sad things or unhelpful things, at least, to be batel b'shishim, as we call it in halacha, nullified by the number 60. We can use the 60 days, the potent number 60 days of, double, of the double Adar to cancel out, as the Lubavitch Rebbe teaches, cancel out all unhelpful things and tap into the channel of Simcha, which is right stat- status for a Jew. So the sun and the moon are far away, heavenly bodies that do definitely affect us on earth. We know that. But they are more than our sources of heat, light, gravity, tidal pull- pulls. They're much more than that. To us personally, as we look at them, they can stand as an example in creation, to constantly remind us of some things about ourselves. Their beauty is so compelling. When I just notice a harvest moon just hanging there in the sky, this gigantic golden disc or ball just suspended over the horizon, just I catch my breath. I'm always overwhelmed with the beauty. Or sometimes a silver orb high in the sky. I'm just awestruck. Or sometimes you have like a silver crescent where the other silhou- the silhouette of the other portion of the moon is also visible if you look. I personally, when I see these different um, visuals, I feel like a yearning inside of myself for something that is, is outside of me, but I know that it's connected to me somehow. And I feel myself internalizing this a lesson. Soon I won't be able to see this particular version of the moon but that doesn't mean it won't be there. So one message of the moon 
can be received by watching its phases on a national level through history. And for each of us as individuals, we ride waves. There's ebbs and flows. We're on what our Chazal call Galgal Choser Ba'olam, a wheel that turns in the world. And the positions on the wheel are constantly shifting from top to bottom. And that's the truth about life. We may seem to shrink and disappear sometimes, and then we come back. When we can observe ourselves having our experiences, noticing our thoughts and emotions, knowing they will pass without letting ourselves be defined by them, we are learning a deep and helpful lesson from the moon. Just watch that moon through its phases and think, I too, and my whole nation, we all have our moments. If I can respectfully observe my thoughts and emotions, but know that they are not my definition and they will change, I'm taking into myself a message of the moon. Same with Kali Yisrael in hard times. Shlomo HaMelech, King Shlomo, had a ring that said, Gamze Ya'avar. He placed for himself a reminder on his hand so he could always see, this too shall pass. Very wise wisdom. Having this awareness allows a different experience of life. And on second glance, this whole discussion needs some defining and refining because while it's true that from our earthly perspective, the moon waxes and wanes, this disappearance and reappearance isn't really even a thing. As you know, the moon is always whole. Just our ability to receive it changes. What can we take into ourselves as we contemplate this? That in a way, change is an illusion. We are always whole and complete. Our neshama, our godly soul, is ever-present, full of peace and love and understanding, always. In that way, we're like the moon too. From the perspective of our neshama, again, everything passes. Everything is exactly as it should be. And just the perception from the earthly perspective is what shows change. So through the moon, Shem is kind of broadcasting to each one of us, no matter how many phases you seem to go through, you're up now, you're down now. You're the same to me, says Hashem. When we have this awareness of our steady, unchanging worth and wholeness, it's so much easier to just take care of whatever we need to take care of from that steady perspective. So we have this beautiful moon to deliver a message from Hashem that from His perspective, above the confines of the earthly view, we are full and whole, no matter what and no matter when, always and in all ways. For myself, I've been on a real journey with this subject. I've seen the positive impact on my day-to-day life when I can just notice the impermanence of a moment. And there's more. Rosh Chodesh has another message for us, and this I learned from the great Rebetzin Tukachinsky of Sodha Adam. I heard her teaching that when Rosh Chodesh is on a Sunday, there's a special Haftarah. Every time that comes up, when Rosh Chodesh is on a Sunday, we read Machar Chodesh, which means tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. That's the words of the Haftarah, and that's the name of the Haftarah. But that's not the whole reason why we read Machar Chodesh on a Shabbos when Rosh Chodesh is on Sunday. There's a powerful new moon related message for us in this in this uh, portion that we read. It's the story of David HaMelech, King David, who has one travail after another in his life. His life was a series of big challenges. And 
one of his many trials was the pursuit of him for his life. The way that his father-in-law, Shaul, King Shaul, who was the holy and great person that he was, something came into his uh, mind, you could say, to that he needs to kill David, his own son-in-law, his beloved son-in-law. And so his son, Shaul's son, David's brother-in-law and very best friend, whose friendship is described as the most real and authentic friendship, uh, uh, Yonasan, he says to his beloved brother-in-law, David, listen, tomorrow, Machar Chodesh, tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh, we'll have a party. And at the party, I'm going to know if my father, your father-in-law, King Shaul, needs, wants to kill you. And if he does, you'll know, you'll be in a hiding place and you'll know because I'll shoot arrows and they'll go past you. If I shoot them past the hiding place that we set up, that we, um, you know, planned, that's a sign to you that you need to run, that he's running after you. And if I shoot arrows in a shorter distance and lands, they land uh, proximal and not, you know, before, uh, not past you, that means that you should, you don't have to run. And if you need to run, the language that Yonasan used telling David, you need to run is lech kishlachacha Hashem. Go because Hashem has sent you. By contrast, we have another personality in the Tanakh and the Chumash, Hagar, Sarah's servant. When Sarah, when Hagar runs away the first time, she was, she's met by a, an angel and the Malach says to her, where are you going? And her answer is, I'm fleeing. I'm running away. I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And it's understandable that she wanted to flee. She felt very persecuted. But David, in his greatness, Yonasan and David, in their conversation, they called the running away, not running away from something, but running toward something. He has an attitude of, I'm running toward something purposeful. Dr. Viktor Frankl, in his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning, which he wrote after surviving the Holocaust, the horrors, he lost everything except for his own life and a lot of wisdom. And he describes, he shares his recognition, his belief that man's greatest desire, every single person, every single human wants more than anything else, meaning, meaning, purpose in life. I will add that the other greatest desire of every, really everything, not just people and not just living things, everything on earth wants connection. Everything in creation wants connection. I need to add that in. And uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, he says that man's greatest desire is for meaning. And I thought of that when I saw, he quotes the philosopher Nietzsche, who says, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And back to Lahavdil, back to our King David HaMelech, we see the difference between running away like Hagar did to avoid something and David going toward the next station Hashem is sending him to. Go, for Hashem has sent you rather than from Sarai, my mistress, I'm running away. And the significance of the timing when this is read is heading into Rosh Chodesh when, remember, we celebrate the new moon when no moon is visible when no moon at all can be seen in the sky. And the conclusion might be, if you just landed on earth this minute, you might believe the moon is gone. And in David's challenging life, his conclusion could be, it's all over, I can't take it anymore. I have no more strength, it's over. Hope is gone. But David knew the truth of the moon. 
He started practicing and knowing these truths from the beginning of his life. And he knew the truth of new life and new opportunities. When one door closes, at least one more door opens and probably a better one. He's running for his life away from something, but he's running much more importantly to his next station. So it's natural to have the response to difficulty. It's natural that you know, we may respond to difficulty and challenge with collapse, giving up to just conclude life is against me. Maybe I'm being punished. I'm forgotten. I'm all alone. I'm abandoned. It's normal to feel that way. And greatness includes the ability to see ourselves as always going forward, pressing forward purposefully, meaningfully toward our next station, toward the next full moon, even while no moon can be seen at all at this moment. I myself have seen how this attitude of, I need to go forward because Hashem is sending me rather than I'm running away because I can't take it anymore. That attitude can make the difference of a lifetime, can be so helpful. For me, when I've been able to observe again and again in my own life, story by story, that all my worst and hardest obstacles and disappointments and dark times have led me to new horizons and new opportunities that I personally wouldn't trade for anything because I can see how my life has opened up on every level again and again because of different trials and tribulations. So we have this beautiful moon that waxes and wanes like us, but it doesn't really. And we start absorbing a deep message. There's a steadiness in us. That's the truth. And things are not over when, even when they appear to be over. There's always new life and greater and deeper opportunities coming our way when we relate to ourselves from a godly perspective. Now, why do we have leap years? On a practical level, like we said, to realign the lunar calendar to the solar calendar, to replace the 50, uh, the 30, I should say, the 30 or so days that are lacking around every three years, really seven of 19 years, so that Pesach, the holiday of Passover, remains in the spring. And all the holidays actually remain in their proper seasons. So once in three years, we're adjusting the lunar reality to the solar reality. So besides the halachic purpose of the leap year, what else can this mitzvah do for us? It can direct our attention to the sun. Most of the time, our, our attention as Jews is directed toward the moon. But let's pay attention to the sun for a few minutes. The sun is so beautiful, so bright and warm and powerful. It's actually too bright for anyone's eyes. Our eyes cannot tolerate, physically cannot tolerate looking at the sun. Just like our souls, there's a tefillah in the old Sidurim called Simulev El Haneshama, pay attention to the soul. So beautiful. And it has the words Shivasayim Ka'or Hachama. It lets us know that the soul that's inside of every one of us is 70 times brighter than the brightness of the sun. Inside of us is something so bright and so radiant. And what else can we learn from the sun? In the Navi, and I mentioned this in our Hanukkah episode, the sun is called Shemesh Tzedakah Umarpe Bichnafa. The sun is charitable, it's giving, and it has healing in its wings. It has healing in its rays. The sun has a healing capacity. And I was thinking that we know the sun never sees the dark side of the moon. By definition, whatever part of the moon 
has the sun shining on it, that's the bright side of the moon. So maybe you could say that when we want to help someone heal, when we want to help a situation heal, when we want to bring healing into the world, we need to be like the sun a little bit and not pay so much attention to the weakness and the darkness of that object of our healing. Once in a while, it can be good to align ourselves with the sun, not just the moon, again, for the same result, to reorient to the reality that even with our flaws and our stories, which will keep on coming up, we are whole and complete and everything is purposeful and just right. This realigning can be hard and unfamiliar for many. We're not used to addressing our own shortcomings and wrongdoings compassionately with love and acceptance. As you know, you may know, I have a lot to say about this. And the episode right before this one was eight minutes spent talking all about love and compassion. Love and compassion is the way Hashem relates to the world. The whole world was created for love. Just look in 19 letters, Rav Shamshan Fal Hirsch, letter number three. The whole world was created for love. That's what we're here for. Love and compassion, as we said, are the godly way of relating to ourselves to the world, to everything. So that sunlight of love and compassion can really warm us and heal us. To conclude, at Kiddush Levana, when the Kiddush Levana, which we say when the moon as, is actually full, when we the tefillah of Kiddush Levana or the... Uh, ceremony of Kiddush Levana, we say to the moon, may Hashem fill your voids. May Hashem fill whatever you're lacking. Hashem should fill pegimas halavana, what's missing from the moon, what's lacking. And I want to just add that in this world, as long as we're in Gullus and we're here in our physical form, we all have our lack, our pegimos, our voids, our broken parts. As Leonard Cohen said, there is a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. We are perfectly imperfect, just the way we are. What would life be like for us if we believed with 100% certainty that we are whole and complete? That we have an infinite light burning in us at all times, waiting to shine and bring healing. Let's be like the moon, always making a comeback. Let's be like David HaMelech going forward on a mission of meaning and purpose rather than running away when things seem to be over. Let's be like the sun bringing a healing light and not looking with so much attention to the dark side of those whom we're trying to illuminate. Let's emulate, be like Hashem who is compassionate and loving no matter what. And most importantly, let's be ourselves, each unique, godly, and full of light. Sending love, wishing you a happy two months of Adar, and thanks for listening.